0: Welcome back to Atlanta and the Eye on the Tigers podcast. I'm Dave Matter from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and stlday.com. Day three of SEC football media days is in the books. We are almost to the finish line. I will be on a plane home to Missouri soon enough on Thursday evening. It is Will Matter's sixth birthday in a few days. So let's knock on wood. We don't need any travel delays. But day three is done. We're here to recap it on Wednesday Over at the College Football Hall of Fame, we heard from four more coaches and and players from Georgia, the national champions, Arkansas, Florida, and their new coach, Billy Napier, and batting cleanup on Wednesday was Kentucky and Mark Stoops, who uh, now in his 10th season at Kentucky, if my math is right. Yeah, I think that's right. 10th season. So um, we'll get to a few reader questions at the end of the pod, but let's recap the day first. Uh, the morning started with Arkansas and Sam Pittman coming into his uh, third year with the Razorbacks. I, I'm going to admit, I think if you follow me or listen to the podcast, you know I'm I'm a fan of Sam Pittman, not a not an Arkansas fan, but just a fan of Sam. Uh, I covered him in his one year at Mizzou. Back in 2000, when he was the offensive line coach, Larry Smith made some uh, some offensive staff changes before that season. Brought Sam in, and then the whole staff got fired. So he was he was barely there like nine months. But um, that was my first year as a full time beat writer. Uh, Sam was just this big love of a big lug of a guy. The players really loved him. Um, you know, he's he went on to be this kind of journeyman offensive line coach who's been an assistant pretty much everywhere in the country, never a position, never a a coordinator, uh, but always a a line coach, well-respected, great recruiter. Then he gets the Arkansas job, you know, after the 2019 season. I think, you know, a lot of people were skeptical of the hire just because of his experience, um, including me. I didn't know what to think of that hire, but uh, you know, he's, he's done a really good job. He, he, uh, they win nine games a year ago. They won all their trophy games uh, Arkansas has three against A&M, LSU, and of course, Missouri. Then they go beat Penn state in the bowl game. And, uh, now he's this kind of folk hero in Arkansas. They just love him down there. They, they doubled his salary after the season. Um, he, he on his own, uh, put a non-compete clause in his contract. So he can't leave for another sec job, uh, unless of course he's fired, but, um, Man, he's just done a really good job at that place. And that that program was just destitute. Uh, you know, it, late in the Brett Bielema years, Chad Morris was just a disaster. They, they were still recruiting well because he did inherit some talent. That that point needs to be made, but they just weren't coached very well. There's no culture in the program. And, uh, you know, now he's got them. I, I think they, they're a top 20 team. Uh, I might. I haven't filled out my ballot yet. They're due on Thursday. I might pick Arkansas second in the West. I think there's a real logjam there behind Alabama. And I, I just liked a lot of things about this team and this program. Uh, and, and Sam is, he's just a perfect fit for Arkansas, for the fan base, for that state. Uh, and they really just embraced him. He told a great story. I wrote about it for my story that should be up at SDLtoday.com uh, about this bronze hog statue that he had built outside his house this spring. And uh, you can find pictures of it on Twitter. He, he talked about it on, on Wednesday. It was a great story. But uh, yeah, I, I really have high expectations for that program. And that's that's something new for Arkansas. They actually have expectations now. They, they won't be picked seventh. They're always picked seventh in the SEC West. And I don't think that's going to happen this week. He brought along uh, Bumper Pool, one of the best names in college football. Senior linebacker, uh, he had it legally changed from James back when he was 16 or so. But I, I talked to Bumper about his linebacker coach, uh, Michael Shear, former Missouri linebacker, coached under coaches now under Barry Odom, of course. Former uh, prep standout at MICDS, he was one of my favorite guys to to cover at Mizzou. Always, uh, always accessible, always interesting, very insightful guy, and I think one of the has got a really bright career uh, as a coach in in this conference or whatever conference he, he wants to coach in. So uh, check it out. I, my, my notebook uh, at stltoday.com. I talked to bumper about Michael Shear a little bit. Uh, So that's Arkansas, Georgia, the defending champs, Kirby smart finally got that title last year. Uh, I, I thought his approach to a question before he even got it was pretty interesting. He's absolutely insisting, that Georgia won't be the hunted this year, even though they are the reigning champs. Their team has a very different look. You know, they set NFL draft records with how many guys they got taken, especially on the defensive side. Uh, some familiar names are back, but a, a lot of turnover uh, on that roster. But, you know, he, Kirby is recruited as well as anybody in the country the last four years or so. So they will be loaded again, just not as experienced. He had a pretty good line. He said, we will not be hunted at the University of Georgia. I can promise you that. The hunting we will do will be from us going the other direction. We are not going to sit back and be passive. Uh, He said they've done a lot of studies, had a lot of uh, meetings with players uh, and studied uh, what he called the mighty who have fallen uh, in business and sports and history. He didn't in his interview with the, the, in the big room with the writers, he, he didn't give any examples, but I think an obvious one is LSU. You know, they won it all in 2019 had that incredible team, Joe Burrow and all those great receivers and uh, great players on defense. And then went five and five the next year. So I think that's a pretty good case study to, to uh, examine if you're Georgia going into uh, a year after a championship. Uh, Kirby brought Stetson Bennett with him, his quarterback, one of the, most improbable stories in college football in the last, I don't know how long. Guy is a walk-on, goes to junior college, returns to Georgia. It was so far down on the depth chart. Uh, just looking at Stetson, I was standing next to him for a few minutes on Wednesday. I mean, he doesn't he, – he's one of the smallest starting college quarterbacks I've ever seen. I mean, you would never know that he's a national champion quarterback uh, in the SEC. But he got the job done last year. you got to give him all the credit. Uh, I think he's an underrated passer. He put up pretty good numbers last year. This year he's going to have this ridiculous fleet of tight ends to throw to. I mean, it's like uh, what the New England Patriots had back when they had, uh, you know, Gronk and, and Hernandez and those guys. Uh, he's got something similar this year. So I'd expect him to, to have some pretty good numbers again. But Kirby called him the least respected good player in college football, and uh, thought that was an interesting way to put it. And uh, it, that was relayed to Stetson. I wrote about it in the paper. You can uh, kind of visit that conversation, how it went. I, I really liked the way he handled it. The guy's got a lot of moxie for uh, you know for being a former walk. He's also a pretty old quarterback. He's just like very similar, almost the exact age of Jack Abraham, the, the seventh year quarterback Missouri brought in. I believe Bennett turns 25 in October. So these uh, quarterbacks just keep getting so much, so much older. Uh, Florida was up next. Billy Napier, first-year coach of the Gators, comes from Louisiana—not Louisiana Lafayette, but Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns. He just did an incredible job there. Uh, the last what four or five years, uh, ten-win seasons each of the last three years. You know, he was he was that guy who was going to get that next Power Five job. Sooner than later, uh, you know, he, he's uh, SEC experience as an assistant coach working with uh, with Saban in Alabama. It was just a matter of time. And, uh, you know, listening to him talk today, there's not a lot of frills. He's maybe not the most polished guy in an interview setting, but he's very thoughtful, very intense. He's more than just a good old boy ball coach. You can tell there's a lot of um, – know, just kind of calculated plans into what he's doing and what he's building at Florida. He's got that just really strong track record. And uh, we'll we'll see how he handles the pressure and the expectations there in Gainesville. We know that it's a a real pressure cooker there. Uh, They've hired four really very different coaches uh, since Urban Meyer left. And, you know, the last three all had different levels of success to some degree, but, but none ended up, you know, being able to keep their job in the last 11 years. They had Will Muschep, Jim McIlwain, and then of course, Dan Mullen. In 11 years, they went to nine bowls, you know, three SEC championship game appearances, six of 11 years, they had winning SEC records, but just, you know, could not come close to living up to the standard that Steve Spurrier and then Urban Meyer established There in Florida and uh, we'll see if Napier can do it. You know, it really got to improve their recruiting there. It's, he's kind of gotten off to a little bit of a slow start. That's been a topic of discussion down here in Atlanta this week. It's just, when is, when is Florida going to get in gear with some uh, better commitments? And he's got a pretty tough competition in the state with with what Mario Cristobal is doing at Miami and just his track record as a recruiter. So it's, that's not an easy job. And, uh, we'll see how Billy Napier does. Uh, after him, Kentucky was up, like I said about Mark Stoops, 10th year that that program has kind of become a machine, you know, that they just, that they win at a pretty consistent level uh, 10, 10 wins last year. And he's, he's kind of gone from this, or their program has gone, I should say from the kind of road grading offense that, isn't uh you know very pretty necessarily to now they've got this prolific passing team uh they've gotten you know some nfl coordinators each of the last two will levis their quarterback transferred from penn state had a nice year last year he comes back you know he's projected as a first round draft pick next year and uh, they've really kind of changed their whole identity on offense and uh i mean i we got to expect them to be another really solid team. I think Mark Stoops has earned the benefit of the doubt at this point that they're going to win eight, nine, ten games, and you know be in that the, the top of that second tier in the SEC East, right behind Georgia. I, I think it's it's Kentucky and Tennessee, right there behind Georgia, and uh, you know we'll see who who ends up having the better team of the two. So, a uh, lot of respect for Mark Stoops. He uh, he needs two more wins to pass Bear Bryant. And, and become the career wins leader at Kentucky. Uh, they might do it in week two because they open up against Miami, Ohio, then they go to Florida. Uh, and if they don't do it against Florida, uh, their third game is against Youngstown State, which is pretty wild because he's a Youngstown native and, you know, his family has a lot of history uh, with with it, Youngstown. And it'll be pretty cool too because when he does get the record, uh, Mark Stoops and – Big brother, Bob Stoops, will both be the career wins leader at Power 5 schools. Bob, of course, at Oklahoma. So uh, that'll be a a neat moment for the family whenever that does happen. Uh, It kind of leads me to a question that's been brought up a lot here. The SEC Network Talking Heads have been uh, bringing this up constantly. Who is the third best team in the SEC this year? We can just assume Alabama and Georgia are your one and two in whatever order. But who is the third best team? Uh, I, I think the, the field is, is, you know, among Arkansas, LSU, Texas A&M, Tennessee and Kentucky. Uh, I'm kind of leaning toward the Hogs. And you know, I, think, I think Barry Odom's defense is going to be better. Uh, they were the top rushing team in the league last year, one of the best in the nation. K.J. Jefferson back at quarterback. You know, how they replace Traylon Burks, uh, not sure about that but I, I, they might have the edge. You know, LSU's probably got a ton of upside because of just the Brian Kelly factor, having some competent coaching there could make a, a big difference. Just not sold on A&M. We talk about them so much this time of year. And then, you know, they they, they tend to be overrated uh, year after year, even though they've got the talent they showed last year to beat Alabama. Can they do it, you know, all year long? I'm I'm just not convinced. Uh, we, we might be getting a little ahead of ourselves proclaiming Tennessee to be, um, you know, a, a, an upper class team in the SEC, even though they, they definitely showed they had the offense last year and their quarterbacks back. So maybe it'll end up being Kentucky. I mean, maybe we're just, um, you know, underrating them again after they had a 10 win season. So that should be a good storyline throughout the year. Not that there's a trophy for third place, but uh, just a, an interesting way to look at the league. Uh, And, you know, also on their team, maybe we're not talking enough about Ole Miss. They won 10 games last year, and uh, Lane Kiffin went and hit the transfer portal really hard this offseason and kind of fill in some spots on that team, uh, especially on offense. So we'll see. So Thursday is the final day of SEC Media Days. Auburn, Texas A&M, and Tennessee will do the talking. Uh, I will be here covering those sessions, but also I'm going to be doing my chat at stltoday.com. Uh, it'll start at 11 a.m. Central noon here in Atlanta. So log into that for sure. I'm not sure, I can't recall which coach will be talking at the time, but um, I'll, I will be multitasking. It's not not that hard to do. And then uh, we'll go from there. So got a few reader questions. Let's get to these. From Tucker, do you get the sense that Drink has been at least a little more involved with the defense this off season? I'm thinking that with the way you brought them up, that he knows he has to check things out more on that side of the ball. Um, he's more aware of what's going on with the defense. He's monitoring it more closely. I wouldn't say he's really coaching the the defense, at least from what he's talked about. Also, he's, he is an offensive coach. Now he did, he did play linebacker in high school. Um, and he's, he, I think he coached defense in the high school level and, and but he's an offensive guy. So that's where he's going to lend his expertise Uh, he's handed over the quarterback coaching duties to bush Hamden, but i think he'll still be involved with those guys he still calls the plays on offense uh and and as long as you're doing that it's really hard to divide your time and go over and you know lead the d-line drills but you know in the spring you you notice that he was uh you know monitoring those drills more getting in there a little bit more but he's still an offensive coach so i i think uh And I think he trusts Blake Baker to run that side of the defense, seeing that he has coached with him before and that Blake Baker has a college coordinator experience, which, of course, last year's coordinator, Steve Wilkes, did not. Um, But good question, though. We'll see. I'll, I'll be interested to see just how he interacts with the defense a little bit more in fall camp. All right. Chris asked last year, the run defense, I assume we're talking about Missouri here last year, the run defense and the quarterback took turns being the anchor, keeping the team from leveling up. Uh, Which one are you more concerned about this year playing the same role? QB has new options, but uncertainty. Is there reason for optimism that the run D will be competent? I'm kind of putting quarterback talks on pause until we know who it is. Um, You know, it's, Here we are July 20th, and we don't know who that starting quarterback is going to be. If we did, I think it would be safe to be more confident about the passing game, but we don't. So uh, TBD on that. As for the rush defense, it got better in the second half of last season. It couldn't get much worse in the first month, but there were some you know signs of optimism and there's some new blood at D tackle which I think can be a good thing uh, Missouri didn't seem to get much out of some of the veterans along the D line who have since left the program and graduated out um, you get Jaden Jernigan in there you get Darius Robinson you a, a more of a full-time role uh, you know some young guys that can play D tackle I like the ends a lot uh, you got more options at linebacker now with 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 Lil Hop, it'd be Tyron Hopper, the Florida transfer. Bailey and Nicholson are back. You're going to have a third safety on the field in the base defense. And I talked to Martez Manuel about that earlier in the week. He, he thinks that that'll bring more physicality against the run at the point of the t- point of attack, having three safeties on the field instead of three corners. So I, I think there's reason to be optimistic, uh, but you know what? A lot of us felt pretty good about the defense going into last season with an NFL coordinator coming in and taking over and we saw what happened. So I, I think it's better to just uh, be cautiously optimistic and then see what happens, you know, as, as the season unfolds. All right, Darren asks: with the transfer portal, is the old feeling of it's year four or five, these are his players now, still in play, or is the time frame becoming much shorter for coaches? Yes, it is much shorter. It's much shorter for coaches. I think it's becoming much shorter for players, maybe much shorter for, for athletics directors. Uh, it's much shorter because you can transform your roster with experienced players faster than ever before. You can also process guys out of the program with more ease because they can transfer somewhere and play immediately. So um, you, can, you can fix problems much quicker and you can bring in experienced players much quicker that don't need that development in the weight room that a freshman or a redshirt freshman may meet may need. Also, these coaches they're, they're making more money, so I think they're held accountable to a higher degree sooner, if that makes sense. So they're under pressure to get results faster. Uh, so the, the whole process has just been more compressed, and I don't know if that's that's a good thing. Um, Coaches, they preach patience for their program all the time from the fans and the media, but they also expect their players to contribute sooner and develop faster. Uh, so they're constantly feeling that pressure to win immediately, and they're, they're passing that pressure on along to their, their assistant coaches. Uh, they're rifling through staff faster than ever, not just at Missouri, but you see staff changes all the time. Um, so it's, it's I used this phrase earlier with Florida, but it's, it's just all one big pressure cooker. Uh, it starts at the top down, and from the university leaders to the ADs, uh, you know, the fans expect uh, results faster, the coaches expect results faster, and, you know, gone are the days, I think, where you can say, hey, we'll, we'll uh, expect this staff to start winning in year four. Uh, we'll get three years of, uh, of hard knocks and and, you know, everybody kind of learning the system. And then by year four or five, you know, it's expected to uh, challenge for the division or playing a new year's day bowl game. No, I, I think, uh, everything has been compressed, uh, expe- expectations, especially, that's just kind of the nature of the sport right now. And I don't know if it's necessarily a good thing. Um, but that's what it is. And I think coaches realize that. I think players realize that ADs probably realize that, uh, Uh, fans need to realize it too that's the situation we're in all right so those are your questions uh we're not going to do a podcast on thursday too much going on got the chat get your questions in there and uh it's time to to travel back home to missouri and sooner uh sooner than we all realize preseason camp is going to be here and we're going to be writing and talking about football all the time so with that note uh Leave a, leave a leave some feedback on the podcast, as always. Subscribe, as always. And uh, we will start podcasting a little bit more regularly. I started next week. We'll get Ben Fred on here. Uh, we'll get Callum McAndrew, our campus correspondent, on here. And we'll be talking Mizzou football, SEC football all the time. Uh, until then, we'll talk to you next time.